0: You are listening to Building the Future, Green Building in the New Millennium, brought to you by SustainableHomesOfTheFuture.com. I'm your host, Ian Sollenberger, and this podcast is for anyone that wants to collaborate and learn more about how to design and construct energy efficient buildings for an environmentally sustainable future. If you have questions about how to design and build with a lower environmental impact, or you'd like to come on our show as a guest, please email me directly at info at SHF, that's Sustainable Homes of the Future, shfbuild.com. Uh, visit our website at shfbuild.com, or find us on Facebook and Instagram at shfbuild. Our mission with this podcast is to inspire you, our listeners, to go out and be sustainability advocates. Share these ideas so we can truly push this industry forward. We need each and every one of you to help us build the future today. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to a very special episode of Building the Future, Green Building in the New Millennium. I'm your host, Ian Solenberger, and today we're going to be wrapping up season one of the podcast by revisiting the idea of sustainability and what it actually means for people, for society, for innovation and business and technology in the built environment. Uh, We started this whole podcast experiment with a solo cast that I did back in June called What is Sustainability Anyway? Uh, Where I attempted to answer that question from my own limited personal knowledge and professional experience. And based on those initial musings, Our working definition of sustainability for this first season has really been focused on finding the nexus between people, profit, and planet. And without taking all three of those into consideration in our project accounting, we're not only adding to the existing status quo, we're actually missing opportunities to innovate, to collaborate, and to come up with better solutions. My business partner, Ginger and I have used this definition to uh, basically explore how we design sustainable buildings and sustainable communities. And I've had the pleasure of interviewing architects, energy consultants, construction managers, interior designers, educators, and other sustainability advocates in the design build space. It's been a true pleasure. And throughout these discussions, I uncovered three themes that really resonated with me. And the first was a, a trending focus on human centered design. This clearly tracks right along with the people side of what we call triple bottom line accounting, but it also goes a little deeper into why we design buildings. What are we trying to achieve with human-centered design? And I think that the three main goals are health, comfort, and community. Um, Considering recent world events, respiratory health is now at the forefront of everyone's mind. And more than ever before, we're spending a lot of our time indoors. And while this was actually already the case prior to 2020, now the general public, I think, is more aware of how staggering those statistics really are. And Americans specifically spend about 90% of our time inside buildings. So designing buildings across all sectors, home, office, retail, industrial, schools, mixed-use, multifamily, that keep the people that are working and living in those buildings and developments breathing healthy air is non-negotiable we're never coming back from that. And and I'm hoping that there's enough information out there now to to really realize that the upfront cost of designing in a healthy way is nothing comparatively to the healthcare and economic costs associated with a country full of people who are increasingly susceptible to viruses, to VOCs, to mold, bacteria, and other variables that contribute to poor indoor air quality. These variables are known, and they've been talked about for decades. And for better or for worse, it would seem that it took a global pandemic to bring some of these very preventable issues into the light. So I guess what I'm saying is thanks COVID-19 for that little wake up call. Uh, Comfort is our second goal of human centered design. And I use that, that word here very intentionally to juxtapose with what I feel is an overwhelming trend toward convenience. Let's break that down. We have so many new technologies, right? The internet of things that we can buy on Amazon with just a simple click. But consumerism in America and certain other developed nations has gone completely amok and everybody knows it. But in some ways, we've all become so complicit in that system, whether we like it or not, that changing our spending habits and in turn, our collective purchasing power is an uphill battle. One that plenty of folks talk about, but not nearly as many do or at least do well. I mentioned in my first go round of the sustainability solo cast that I too am complicit in this system that says that we can buy our way out of certain problematic situations. And this really points to the bigger issue of thinking that you know, we as a society can engineer our way out of problems with resilience and durability. And this way of thinking says, let's just put a bandaid on the problem, whatever it may be, instead of taking the time to really sit down and think about how we created these problems in the first place and then come up with new, better ideas that that might actually have a shot at solving systemic issues like racial injustice, ecological degradation, and global warming once and for all. That's what we need. What does any of this have to do with buildings? Uh, Great question. I will posit that the way that we've been designing, demolishing, constructing, manufacturing buildings and, and the products that make up those buildings over the last half century or so has really led to a quantity over quality mindset in our communities. And now we're bringing in our final goal, community. Unfortunately, if it's faster and easier to tear down an entire usually lower income neighborhood to build a highway so that the wealthier suburbanites can get to their high paying jobs in the city, let's, let's just do that because you know it's cheaper and coming up with a better plan that won't lead to more income inequality and injustice down the road. So let's, let's just do that. But people matter. And the extent to which we create opportunities for each individual in society to not just live, but to thrive, that will determine how long collectively we've got left on this earth. If you're into the whole living on Mars thing, that's cool, but I'm not. I'd like to stay here. I'd like to watch my kids grow up. And honestly, the last few months has shown us just how much people love wearing masks, right? (laughs) Can you really envision a society of people like the Jetsons that have fish bowls on their heads? I can't. You know, it's clear to me that our desire for individual expression and individual freedoms isn't going anywhere. And I highly doubt that we'll seamlessly find a way to engineer our way out of environmental disaster that we've helped to create without severely limiting those freedoms that many of us hold dear. Perhaps a better application of future engineering involves going back a few centuries, maybe even millennia, to our ancestral roots and and focusing on my second theme from season one, which is nature-inspired or biophilic design. Our planet is resilient. When humans simply lived in concert with nature, we were able to achieve some pretty incredible feats of engineering despite the lack of complex tools, modern computing, other technological and mechanical advancements that we rely upon today. You know, we couldn't transport materials halfway across the world, so we used what was available to us in the local region even taking into account the need to build structures and communities that could withstand flooding, earthquakes and other natural disasters. It wasn't perfect, certainly, but given the circumstances, it was pretty impressive to say the least. We really understood the benefit of using solar heat gain and natural materials despite having no energy modeling tools or any other tools to aid us in lessening our carbon footprint. Passive design is as old as civilization. And I would argue that we have regressed in our thinking in the interest of convenience. Technology is amazing when it's used in tandem with human ingenuity as a tool for maximizing benefits to society, but it's equally as detrimental when applied as a substitute for human capital. We need healthy, resilient communities and diverse populations in order to have an innovative, productive society overall. And the statistics show this to be true. The American dream is no longer a modest single family home surrounded by a white picket fence. I believe that the new American dream is the freedom to live out one's purpose and passion in stark opposition to the shackling employer-employee relationship that has dominated the last five decades. And it's the promise of, of democratic republic, such as ours, to provide avenues for each individual to be productive in a way that works for the individual as well as the whole. If corporations are too interested in dividends for their stakeholders without realizing that we're all stakeholders, those industries in my humble opinion will eventually lose out to a new generation of innovation and excellence in human ideology. We know now that if we wait for that transition to happen organically, the timeline that is given to us by many fossil fuel-based businesses, oh, we'll, we'll figure it out by 2070. Now we're gonna be in big trouble. Bringing us to the third theme uncovered in our first season, embodied carbon. It's estimated that if we don't reduce the upfront carbon emissions of new buildings by more than half in the next 10 years, we will be on track to see more and more devastation due to natural disasters like fire, hurricanes and flooding due to rising sea levels and an increasingly hotter climate. And for those in cities like New Orleans and Venice, Italy, this is not a future projection, but a current reality. You know, we can do our part to reuse existing buildings in the interest of lowering embodied energy, but to house the 2 billion projected new additions to our global population over the next few decades will require innovating new ways of designing buildings that don't rely on fossil fuel intensive processes and incentivize smarter, more efficient product manufacturing and building construction. We have more and more people, and we have the technology to change things for the better. So wouldn't getting everyone engaged in our economic success be the most productive means of growth? I certainly think so. It is people that are the true nexus of profit and planet. Therefore, we must all be involved in the future success of our country and our planet. You, our listeners, thank you, have everything you need to push for better ideas and better solutions. Don't get lost in the overwhelm. Each individual action that we take does make a difference. And that's how we solve for sustainability. One person, one project, and one small step at a time. Also, Don't forget to breathe. And eventually, when the air you're breathing is cleaner, your brain will work better. Thank you for listening.